Hello and welcome to the British English Podcast with your host, Charlie Baxter, the show that helps you better understand British culture and British English. And today we're going to be looking at movies, particularly British movies, but because, well, really, it's a great way to better understand the, the Brits, the, the culture behind it. And that's where our guest comes in. And our guest is called Cara. And Cara has a, a movie club, but we'll get more into it later in on the conversation. So, Cara, hello and, and welcome to the show. How are you doing? Hi, Charlie. Yeah, I'm not too bad. Thanks. Excellent. Excellent. First things first, I, I need to ask, where are we, where are we calling from? Where, where are you in the world right now? That's a good question. I want to say uh, from a secret location in the east of France. It's, it's not that secret, it's just that no one knows where it is, even people in France. So I'm in the city of Boulançon, which is like an hour from the Swiss border ah. uh, to, the, to the east. So very handy for Switzerland, handy for uh, Germany as well. I'm like two hours from the Black Forest part of Germany, southwest Germany. Yeah. And then an hour in the other direction going west, you're in Dijon. Ah. Or Mustard Town, as I like to call it. Mustard Town, yeah. And then an hour and a half into Switzerland, you're in Lausanne, which is Olympic Town. Okay. Uh, people, people still might need a map to understand all that, but that's where we yeah. are. And is there a phrase about mustard? You can never have enough mustard. Is that a thing? Is that a phrase? Is that just an Alan Partridge thing? Could it could be? Yeah, I'm just thinking of the musical Oliver. Oh, what 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 do they say in that? There's this they sing us, you know, because they're like fantasizing about food because they're starving orphans. <laughs> <laughs> These poor orphans, so they're singing this song about hot sausage and mustard is one of their fantasy foods. Yeah, that. But obviously, in the orphanage, they get like gruel whatever great that is word. some disgusting mix yeah great word isn't it but you don't you wouldn't want to eat it if somebody invites you around for dinner and they offer you gruel then um run <laughs> make your excuses and leave absolutely yeah so gruel i i'd i'd picture it as like a worse version of porridge mixed in with some other stuff that you don't want to eat i want i wanted to say um porridge but at the same time um I really like eating porridge and so I won't I won't have porridge, you know, insulted in front of me. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm a bit sensitive to that. Big fan of oats in general. Yeah. So Yeah, yeah, fair, fair. Yeah. I, I don't want to mm. um yeah tarnish um yeah, oats with that kind of um association <laughs> of gruel. I'm imagining, you know, you're in prison and a prison guard mm -hmm. opens the flap in the door and just shoves a tin of gruel on the floor of the prison cell. Mm. <laughs> is that, maybe not nowadays. It's, it's making me think of Game of Thrones. Oh, yeah. You know, at various points in the series, people were imprisoned and, yeah, they weren't fed very well. And it probably did come through a flap, as you yeah. say. You know, you're not even allowed out of your cell to eat. It's just plate, you know, chucked in front of you. Um, mm. uh, you're, you're near Dijon. Have you been to Dijon to to taste the mustard? To taste the mustard, um, well, I have I have been there not that many times to be honest. And uh, well, right at the moment, um, we got this really nice like hamper of local foods from my partner's work at Christmas, 
and one of the things in there was Dijon mustard Ah. and because the funny the thing is and this is quite sad there was no Dijon mustard anymore basically like there was a factory and then they closed the factory you know capitalism really (laughs) you make more money closing the factory than keeping it in Dijon so there was a time where nobody was actually making mustard in Dijon and somebody has started making like artisanal mustard again actually in Dijon and so this mustard that we got at Christmas I think it is it's actually made in Dijon wow so it was a it's a it's been a rarity for a while has that put up the price of Dijon um, I have no idea. Yeah, I don't. Well, I mean, this was a gift, so I don't know how much it, it cost. But yeah, it might. I guess it's more expensive to buy local food. And I have no idea where they were making the mustard. I mean, because a lot of mustard says Dijon on it, but, you know, it wasn't actually made there. So I don't really know how that works. Yeah, but. maybe a bit like Foster's, you know, Australian made, brewed in Scotland or Glasgow. Oh, really? <laughs> I think it's brewed in Glasgow. And I'm in Australia at the moment and they, they don't drink it. I mean, it's it's hit. I don't think I've seen it, actually. This episode comes with a free worksheet over on the website, thebritishenglishpodcast.com. So grab that and you can listen along whilst using it. OK, it's just to make British people think that they are drinking something authentically Australian. Yeah, yeah. Or something. How mm, weird. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So um, you're near Dijon, but yeah. So why are you in France? <laughs> what is this? An interrogation? Well, I studied French at university, and when I was about twenty, I decided that I wanted to go and live in France, like for real. You know, find a job and stay for a while. So I've been working on that. Basically, it's been my life's mission. Oh wow since then um yeah i'm about to turn 36 yeah so i moved to france when i was 22 and to teach english which i was really interested in in doing so it's all been a bit of a of an adventure since then that's great uh because i mean i'm i'm still here yeah so life mission well i suppose mostly (laughs) mostly mostly accomplished well at least that part moved to france live yeah well (laughs) Uh, don't get kicked out of the country because of Brexit. Working on that. At ah, the moment. yeah. Is that hard? Yeah. Uh, I just had to go and get a residence permit. And it's actually more straightforward than like a typical residence permit because they kind of just see it as like we're just extending the rights that you used to have before the the UK left the EU. Interesting. The other thing I'm trying to do is get French nationality. That's harder and that's not guaranteed. But at the very least, I'll have my residence permit so nobody can kick me out. Mm. <laughs> so that's yeah, good. Yeah, that would be good. Yeah, a, a load off your mind. So you do you want to essentially become fully French and, and let go of your British passport? Well, well, they, they recognise double nationality. Okay. That's not a problem. And I wouldn't have done it were it not for Brexit, But because I, I was like, well, if I get French nationality, then that gives me a European passport. Mm. <laughs> because the British passport it used to be more valuable and useful mm. <laughs> for like living in Europe and going and, and, and living where you wanted in Europe. And now it's it's not. So 
Yeah. Um, you need another. <laughs> you would. You need. A, you know. You need something else. You need another passport. That's the way. That's the way I. I see it. It's kind of just re-establishing that you know ability to live and work wherever you want in Europe. And okay, I've only lived in France, but who knows? You know, you might decide to go live somewhere else, and it's nice to have that option. Definitely. Yeah, I was about to say the world's your oyster, but mm. now that Brexit's happened, it's really not. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, let let's let's hope that. Um, that all works out. But I, I want to actually focus on, on the movie stuff that you work on because we, mm. we, we'll come to your personal life maybe after this, this conversation. But I think it's necessary to, to get to the, the, the crux of the meeting, the, the main point. So you've been, you've, you've been teaching English. You've understood, um, you know, different cultures is, is a big part of uh, learning uh, a new language. So you've set up a a movie club to help English learners. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. That's something that actually emerged out of the pandemic. Mm. Well, I've been playing around with um, teaching listening skills through movies for a while and teaching listening um, more, more generally, because I do think it's something you can teach um, and, and learn how to do better. Like, you know, there's more to it than just listening to stuff. So I've been doing that and then, yeah, I kind of had noticed that I had done some free movie clubs and I'd also worked with at least one student on um, her speaking with movies and I was like, oh yeah, this is interesting. Let's see where we can go with this. And then um, I sort of started a longer version uh, literally last March. Slightly weird timing, but also kind of good in a way. And so we started doing kind of a a one month club where we really take the time. I think this is the big thing with watching movies in in another language. You you have to you have to give yourself time to understand them. And you know when when we sort of sit down and just watch something once, um, especially when it's not in our native language, it's normal to not really get much or kind of understand much yeah a lot goes over the head if, you, if you're just watching it first time and it's not your culture definitely exactly so we really take our time we give ourselves a month and um you know part of that is preparing for watching the movie then actually watching it i would say the students usually end up watching it more than once right i mean i'm not so strict about that with my with myself because we do a watch party so we watch it together and we discuss it on whatsapp yeah that is a bit easier for the students if they've already watched it at least once before because you know we're kind of mostly texting each other like silly comments really (laughs) that's nice (laughs) but um yeah it's fun but it it does it does sort of distract you slightly from the movie but it is yeah it's fun it's almost like watching it together you know yeah as you would do with with friends and sort of laughing about and i'd say that that's that's quite necessary uh to get through the pandemic to to have a release like that to have a group of friends that you can you know interact with and and learn at the same time with that's really nice and um i think you said that you had recently watched some british movies that um caught your attention and you thought it might be worth exploring with me yeah well because i'm not like we basically i get the students to the students suggest movies that they're that they're interested in and then we all kind of you know agree to 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 watch things nobody's imposing anything and um, yeah, we ended up watching quite a few British ones. It wasn't necessarily deliberate. It was just kind of how things worked out, I guess. So we 
But we watched Love Actually last Christmas. Uh-huh. And I, I saw that on the TV like a few days ago, like, like oh, French TV. Like, why are they showing Love Actually in, <laughs> in, in the summer? <laughs> Never mind. Um, and yeah. There were, well, hang on, hang on. So Love Actually, yeah, very much a Christmas feel-good film. And I, I just wrote a list of movies that I'd like to briefly talk about if we had time. And yeah, Love Actually was on there. Why, why, did, you, why did you choose it and why do you think it's a good one for British culture? Well, we, need, we needed a, a, a Christmas movie. Um, and I think one of the other students had brought it up. But at least one also intensely dis- dislikes this this movie. But then, the, but then that was also quite good for discussion because she was able to say why she didn't like it. But yeah, it's a it's a good. Well, there's a there is a lot about British culture in it. Thank goodness that I saw it on TV last week, so I can I can <laughs> remember some of the things. No, because you get to see. Um, yeah, there's like references to British culture in it, and uh you know there's things like you know you see the the prime minister features a lot you see things like the nativity play at school yeah. that's a very british thing in fact i got the students to list all the stuff that came up there's carol singing so what's that good question because i don't know if if anyone has ever come round to my house to sing carols but yeah it's it's something you can do if you're um not afraid of bothering other people you at christmas you go around to people's houses you knock on the door and you sing carols and um christmas carols so these are traditional songs sometimes often kind of religious but not always and then i guess do you ask for money is that it do you do it for charity or something? I think they have a little found um a little uh, charity sort of um tin that they shake at the end Maybe. Mm. Or the little kid at yeah, yeah, yeah. They ask you for it for a little bit of a donation. Fifty P. Yeah. Fifty P. Yeah. yeah. That's not too much. Something like that. Yeah. So there was the carol singing, the nativity play. So you've probably been in one at school. I was in one at school. Were you a so you tell the story? Sorry, were you a big part in your nativity plays? Um well so I wanted to be an angel and I was given the job of reader. So I was like narrating ah. part of the story. Isn't that weird? Mm. I was a narrator as well. Oh yeah. really? Oh wow. Okay. One year. And then I got demoted and I was at the back and I was so hot and flustered. I remember I fainted on stage. Oh <gasps> no. Yeah. Whoa. Was this like pre was this like this would have been pre smartphone and cameras everywhere, right? So nobody would have filmed you. No. Yeah, because yeah. that that would have been embarrassing. Like, yeah, that know, was just an, to have the an video. SMS sort of lol. <laughs> he fell over, kind of thing. <laughs> oh gosh, poor you. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. No, yeah, I can't remember it that much, but yeah, the narrating that was that's funny that we both did that. So uh, you were on the side of the stage. You weren't on the sp- in the spotlight. You were just not not exactly in yeah to the to the side and you know Mary and Joseph arrived. <laughs> In Bethlehem on their do- you're like. So you are know, you are you narrating or are you singing? Because it sounds like you're confused whether you're in front of. A I'm front half ball. singing, half half. I'm trying to imagine like in my sort of six year old voice. I don't even. I don't really know how I, I I did it. But for some reason, in our primary school, it was only the children in the second year of primary who did the nativity. Oh. So the six-year-olds. I have no idea why it was always given to them. Right, okay. Yeah, I yeah. I think I remember doing multiple years. Mm-hmm. 
I'd like to remind you that if you are listening to this message, then you are not taking full advantage of the British English podcast, as we have the Academy, which is where I pour my blood, sweat, and tears into every single episode. I go into further detail, giving you more content to enjoy, and then deliver manually edited transcripts, video explanations of the advanced expressions used in the episode, pronunciation practice, quizzes. Assignments, flashcards, glossaries for all the definitions, etc., etc. So, if you wanted to come away using the advanced language I'm exposing you to in each episode with confidence, then I highly recommend you join the academy. To do that, you can head over to the British English Podcast dot com, and you'll even be able to get a sample of the academy completely free. <laughs> Okay, yeah. So we got the nativity plays. Yeah, I also feel like it. It was just filmed in in very like authentic settings in a lot of the places, and I'm not talking necessarily about the Ten Downing Street. Sorry, nearly forgot where the prime minister lives. I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about just the homes and the outdoors and and just the the small little things that they would use. That just felt very very English. Like if you just give me a second of that frame. I could tell you that that's an English home. If you know what I mean?、Mm, yeah, that is very. That's very, very true. Yeah, like when they go to when the prime minister is looking for Natalie's house, and it's a, a row of terraced houses. So that's so typical.、Um, and then some people live in posher houses <laughs> in in Lavaxili. So you can kind of see、um, that as well. But it's very true. For some reason, I want to say、um, when the guy who's like a sort of aging rock star goes to the Radio station for an interview. For me, that felt very. I don't know. Growing up, I listened a lot to like Radio One and the radio, and I don't know. For me, that felt quite authentic as well. Yeah, I agree. And、uh, that that relationship, I really enjoyed that with the、um, his was he his manager, the old the old slightly larger guy. Yeah. Yeah, I think his manager.、Mm. Yeah, that was quite sweet at the end. Um, well, all, all, all of them developed into loving relationships, didn't they? So, love actually that had really、uh, natural settings, and、um, yeah, the nativity、mm. play and, and the, the carols as well, and of course the、um, the, the very natural British、uh, scene of a porn industry. You know, when that guy was w- warming his hands for her bosoms, very normal, isn't it, in England? Were they doing okay? Because I was kind of like, is this. Are they doing like? Are they meant to be doing like test scenes for a porno? Yes. Well, I think no. I think I shouldn't、is? say porno. I think it was just a film that had soft erotica in it. A yeah, sex, sex a sex yeah. scene. Yeah. And they、okay. were just doing lighting. Yeah, yeah. They were doing lighting, and they had to get the <laughs> the right angle for everything. They were very professional. Very, yeah, yeah. Well, well done, well done. But、um, yeah, love actually, it's a very nice immersion in a British Christmas. And you know, I haven't, I haven't actually been home for Christmas for two years, so it's nice to kind of have, you know, the movie kind of reminds you of what what it's like in the UK at Christmas because I feel like it it is very Christmassy, and in France it's not quite the same. Like, okay, you do have decorations, you do have Christmas trees, but it's not quite as intense as the UK. I don't know. I think we really go kind of all out for for Christmas. We really like to make an effort. I think so too. No, I no, I really do agree. I can't compare with France because I haven't lived there and I haven't been there during Christmas. But you know, I lived in America and I felt like 
they do everything over the top and like they love their costumes and every single holiday is really really extreme compared to the UK but thinking about it christmas is one that we are very comfortable doing at the over the top as you said we 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 really go all out don't we yeah i think so i think so compared to from from what i've seen and you know one of my students is italian but she lives in the uk and yeah she really loves the whole british christmas thing it is quite different to to italy but that's that's a nice way into that type of discussion actually if you've watched love actually and you think about a british christmas then it's a way also for people from different cultures to compare their own christmas because in many countries you know they don't celebrate on the 25th of december they celebrate in january there's more of a focus on the three wise men compared to santa claus i mean it it depends on the um, on the country and the culture it can vary quite quite a lot absolutely yeah so, the three wise men yeah. don't really get a mention these days for us do they not so much whereas in spain i think they they teach kids like that's who brings you the presents right so when when we're sitting around the bed opening santa's presents and we open them and then we say thanks santa would they say thanks the three wise men <laughs> i guess yeah 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 something something like yeah. this yeah that, that's what i've understood and if they if they say thank you daddy and daddy's like no 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 thank the three wise men yeah it's um yeah yeah. another one that i felt like was a really authentic british feel was notting hill and i weirdly watched it yesterday oh how how odd that's another one that's on french tv quite often i would well any film with hugh grant i've seen we've seen so many movies with hugh grant including ones where i did not know he was in it he really was in a lot of movies particularly the the early 90s was yeah and then he took a break and um, sorry, I just wanted to say he took a break um, and he's a, a member at a golf club that I used to work at and I used to serve coffee to him. Um, but he, yeah, he, I did a bad job and I, I think I got fired eventually, but um, I served him cold coffee, which was my claim to fame. <laughs> and he wasn't happy about that. Oh, wow. So, OK, your claim to fame is that you pissed off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so he, he wow. took a, a while to recover from that. And then I guess he got over it. And then he, he did a very good performance in The Gentleman recently, didn't he? Um, I haven't seen it, but I can believe I actually think that he is a sort of misunderstood person. I know my mum is quite insulting towards him because she's like, oh, he just plays the same character all the time. But I actually think he has a real sense of comic timing. Yeah. Um. And uh, yeah, he's done more serious roles. And, you know, as he's gotten older, I I think he doesn't take himself too seriously, actually. I think he knows that maybe part of his career is a bit of a joke. Oh, no, this is getting awfully slanderous, isn't it? Like you served him cold coffee. I'm insulting his career. Are Hugh Grant's people going to like? Well, luckily, luckily for us, Hugh Hugh Grant is um, pretty fluent in English. So he might not be focused on this podcast. The gentleman will put your mum to shame because he was so really? different. He was far from the posh, mm. um, well-behaved or slightly um, self-deprecating gentleman sort of char- in a charming mm. way. He was, yeah, he was really odd, a, a, a unique character in The Gentleman. Um, it was kind of like a gangster hey. film. But um, oh. yeah, I, I, you know, he was so different. I had to ask whoever I was watching it with, um, is that Hugh Grant? 
like after three right. minutes of watching who yeah him him play that that role very diverse for that fact yeah because um yeah we saw him recently in we watched our movie this month is the remains of the day which is a movie with um anthony hopkins and emma thompson and it's, it's based on the novel of the same name and it takes place in a british country house in the the 1930s and then the 1950s and it's about a butler who's very devoted to his master okay but his master turns out to be a nazi sympathizer so yeah 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 and um hugh grant plays the godson of this lord yeah and he's, he's really good and and you know he he realizes that his um his godfather is being sort of manipulated and and you know what he's what he's doing is not is not right and he just try to sort of stop him but it, it doesn't work unfortunately but uh yeah so it's f- a fairly small role but yeah he's he's good and that would have been before this sort of huge stardom of like four weddings and a funeral and, and notting hill that, that we mentioned yeah that's another good film four weddings and a funeral i feel like love actually mm. um notting hill and four weddings and a funeral are all the same sort of uh rom commy british 90s noughties feel is that right yeah, for for sure. And I, I was going to say, four weddings and a funeral is like good preparation for what will probably actually happen to you if you are invited to a wedding in the UK. <laughs> like, it will give you, you know, uh, you'll know what to what to kind of expect if that if that you know if that happens. Yeah, to you. those conversations in a in a wedding, uh, I would imagine they're quite um, unique in in a in a in the way of being British. Quite, uh, you got to be quite proper. You got to have good mm. small talk but also be be interesting at the same time and it's a, it's probably a circle of six or seven people that you're stuck with that you're that are strangers probably for the most part of the day ah uh, weddings and seating plans and who you end up next to yeah it's uh it's it's, it's, in, it's interesting yeah it's interesting that always that's always a good laugh at weddings seeing who who has been seated next to who yeah and seeing where you've been, your where your place is it like in the family or the friendship group? You know, who are you considered? Are you considered one of the um, the older generation? Are you considered like have they grouped you according to like who's kind of friendly or or not? This is just interesting for me because my family is quite big. I've got twenty three first cousins, so um, I mean, often we don't all get invited to weddings because it's expensive to have like, you know people tend to prioritize like their immediate family and everything like it's hard to invite all the cousins yeah and, 23 and then when you do get invited wow. it's yeah it's a lot isn't it and then and then those cousins they a lot of them have kids so then oh it's just a lot of people basically that, that could be about two and a half grand just to feed you yeah that's it and that's why you don't always get invited i the last wedding i went to at home i wasn't invited to the wedding and then somebody else dropped out or something and we were actually prioritized by age uh-huh. that's so good that's fair given my yeah. yeah i thought that was a very fair way to do it thank you to my cousin for doing that and uh, yeah we so we were like next on next the list in line to the of, throne 
<laughs> Next, yeah, exactly, exactly. So upgraded to actual ceremony and meal, and not just the party after. So, which was good because that meant exactly. But she was good because it meant we could actually travel there with my parents because it was a little bit outside of Glasgow. Um, Loch Lomond, which is a very popular wedding destination for people in Glasgow, but it's quite a long taxi ride. So it is quite good if you can get more people in the taxi, <laughs> make it a bit cheaper, kind of thing. Yeah, every little helps, definitely. So, if you wanted to listen to the full conversation, you can easily become a premium podcast member and get access to all parts of this conversation and all conversations that have ever taken place on this show. So that would be, as of this recording, about 48 extra listening sections that you haven't been able to get. And I'm going to estimate that that is over eight hours of non-stop listening practice. And did I mention, these all come with manually edited transcripts and extended glossaries. And thinking about the glossaries, I reckon we've got over 2,000 native expressions explained specifically for non-native learners in there now. And uh, yeah, the membership is as cheap as chips. So what are you waiting for? Go over, support this podcast and get a huge amount back with the premium podcast membership. And then, of course, we have the Academy where I make exclusive videos, audios, pronunciation files, interactive quizzes, and much, much more to get you confident with the language I'm exposing you to in these episodes. And then to top it all off, we have weekly speaking classes to get you practicing the language yourself and to ensure you're using the phrases properly. And as the classes have been going since April 2021, I'm now able to share some testimonials of those who have been involved in the academy for some time now and here is what one student from Thailand has to say about her experience. I came across Charlie's podcast not so long ago. I got a test for the premium program first and before I knew it I have been joining his academy program without any regret because the program has broadened my horizons to better understand British culture and improve British English fluency. It's packed with tons of interesting contents, new vocabularies, expressions, and fun quizzes to help you remember and interact with vocabularies and phrases in a strategic way. You will never get tired of challenging yourself in taking the quizzes, practicing your pronunciation, and participating in group chat with Charlie and other amazing participants who are passionate about studying English like yourself. So, I highly recommend all the students who are interested in learning British English and wish to get a good grip on British culture in the most fun and effective way. Thank you so much, Katami, for that. And uh, guys, I promise no cash was exchanged for that testimonial. So you heard the woman. If you want to join a bunch of passionate learners and want to get a good grip on British culture in the most fun and effective way, then head over to the British English Podcast.com and join the Academy. 
So um, that was Cara, everybody, from Leo Listening, who has made a, a movie club that I encourage you to go and check out. I'll also include those freebies that she's mentioned. But yeah, thank you so much, Cara, for coming on the show. Um, I hope that we can, again, have a conversation about cultural aspects of, of life, maybe um, digging into the differences between French things that you've noticed and, and British things in the future. How about that? Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, definitely. Brilliant. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. And um, thank you guys for sticking around until the end. And um, I hope that you enjoyed the episode and we will see you soon on the British English podcast. <laughs>